This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to the Saturday Twilight Show. I'm Graham Stanley, and I'm speaking to you from Mexico City. On this, my first show in a while, I'll be looking at what teachers can learn from stand-up comedy. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone and welcome to the Saturday Twilight Show. It's good to be back on Teachers Talk Radio after what feels like a long absence. Why was that? Well, I went back to the UK for work and then I got ill. Just a cold, but the runny nose and cough meant I wasn't able to do the radio show. Unfortunately, whenever I get a cough, it lingers. I even have a cough now, but I think it's not too bad to make me unable to do the show. As I mentioned in the introduction, the topic of today's show is teaching and stand-up comedy. Now, that's a subject that I touched upon briefly in October last year when my good friend and fellow teacher and storyteller, Jamie Keddy, was a guest. Jamie has been doing stand-up comedy in English in Barcelona for a while now, and he spoke a little bit about his experience and what teachers can learn from it. Ever since then... I've thought I'd like to do a longer show about what I think teachers can learn from stand-up. It's something that interests me, and I hope it's of interest to you too. So that's what the show is about today. But first of all, let's hear some jokes, and then we'll go to the Teachers Talk Radio News. Teaching is like being a stand-up comedian, except the audience never stops talking. When I asked my students what their favourite subject was, They said, lunch. I tell my students learning history is like a game of Cluedo. You have to figure out who did what, when, and why. My students always complain they don't understand the material. I tell them, don't worry, I don't understand it either. Teaching is the only profession where you steal supplies from home to bring to work. Teaching is like a game of whack-a-mole. Just when you think you've got everything under control, another student pops up with a question. My students think I'm cool because I know all the latest slang. Little do they know, I learned it all from the Urban Dictionary. Teaching is a lot like herding cats. It's impossible to get everyone to go in the same direction. I love teaching, but sometimes I feel like a referee in a wrestling match. I never thought I'd be a teacher, but it turns out I have a high tolerance for chaos. The only thing harder than teaching teenagers is trying to get them to wake up in the morning. 
Teaching is like playing Jenga. Just when you think you've built a stable foundation, a student comes along and pulls out the wrong block. I once had a student tell me they didn't need to study because they were winging it. I reminded them that even birds need to learn how to fly. My students think I'm old because I don't know how to use TikTok. Little do they know I was the original TikToker with my overhead projector. <laughs> Teaching is like being on a roller coaster. It's thrilling, terrifying, and sometimes you just want to scream. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Katz Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The latest budget has come under scrutiny from many quarters, with many working in education frustrated about a lack of focus on funding for education as a whole. Many have made comments on the £4 billion plan for childcare announced by Chancellor Jeremy Hunt with Paul Waugh writing an opinion piece for the I newspaper. In the piece, Waugh refers to gaping holes in the plan to provide free childcare for working parents of under fives. Childcare providers have already warned of the lack of funding detailed in the plan, and school leaders have expressed concerns that more money will need to be found from their already stretched budgets if the proposed wraparound care is to be provided. Critics have pointed out that the new policy doesn't apply to those in apprenticeships or training and that there is no plan to ensure that an adequately trained workforce will be in place to deliver. The government has responded by proposing changes to the staff to child ratio, moving from one to four to one to five. But this has also raised concerns about a dilution of care. Since the budget announcement, many local authorities have published figures detailing how many children might qualify for a place in childcare under the scheme versus how many places are on offer at this time. Figures broadly suggest that, across the country, demand would far exceed places available. Many media outlets report on talks between England's education unions and government ministers. The talks will be met with what both sides describe as a period of calm for two weeks with no further strike dates announced. It comes after breakthrough talks with unions representing other public sector workers, including nurses and ambulance crews. The National Education Union said in a statement that it had, along with the NASUWT, NAHT and ASCL, agreed to intensive talks with Education Secretary Gillian Keegan. The announcement comes after walkouts in Wales and Scotland were postponed whilst unions ballot members on improved offers from the respective devolved governments. In Sunderland, the Echo reports on how former lioness Jill Scott is helping girls have equal opportunities in football, after a pitch in Jarrow was opened in her honour. Scott was part of the England team who lifted the Euro 22 trophy last summer. While she's retired from playing the game, her involvement continues. 
In a speech as part of the opening of the new facilities, she said that girls and women's football would take priority on the new pitches. The pitches boast floodlights and 3G playing surfaces and were jointly funded by the government, the FA and the Premier League's Football Foundation. The new facilities link closely to the letter Scott and her teammates wrote to Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, then Conservative leadership candidates, demanding all girls get the chance to play football at school. Scott said, I fell in love with football at school and pointed out that everyone should have the chance to do the same. Finally, ITV News reports on comedian Jason Manford's surprise appearance at a Leeds primary school. The comic was invited to the school after a video of him conducting an audience at one of his live shows in a sing-along of popular assembly songs went viral. The Assembly's Bangers sketch has since inspired a fundraising single with profits donated to food bank charity the Trussell Trust. The comedian joined in with renditions of This Little Light of Mine, Lord of the Dance, and he's got the whole world in his hands. Footage of the visit is already making the rounds on Twitter. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about Deepfake. Deepfake uses artificial intelligence to create an image or video that appears to be real, but isn't. Amazingly, it's quite easy to do. It starts with a video or image of the target being uploaded to a Deepfake provider, Deepfake provider, found via a quick internet search. The AI then takes over and maps the landmark points of the target's face, just like the filters you find on popular social media apps. This is then overlaid onto another video or text-based script, and hey presto, you have control of what somebody is saying doing, wearing, or even not wearing. Oh wow. Detecting a deep fake is getting harder and harder. It started with people not blinking, but that was fixed pretty quickly. Sadly, there are lots of people making use of this for the wrong reasons, and our young people are being left to wonder what is real and what isn't. There's even something called a shallow fake, where an original video or audio is doctored using simpler editing tools to change the original message. The main questions you need to ask yourself are, why is this video being shared? When was the video published? Is the message something you'd never expect from that person? and who gains from this video. As always, if you have a tech question, why not send it to at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Saturday Twilight Show, where I'll be exploring what teachers can learn from stand-up comedians. I'll be talking about observation and awareness, storytelling, then timing and delivery, adaptability and resilience, and then talk about humor and storytelling and teaching in general. Are you interested in the subject? Do you have any experience of stand-up or use humor in the classroom? If so, I'd love to hear from you. Would you like to be a guest on my show to talk about this or any other topic related to teaching and education? I'd love to hear from you, as I said. Please get in touch through ttradio.org. So, Let's turn first to one of the most important aspects a stand-up comedian needs to pay attention to, observation and awareness. In this first segment, we'll discuss how stand-up comedians can use their keen observations of human behavior and how teachers can benefit from closely observing students in the same way and being very aware of their needs. These are two aspects of teaching that probably don't need mentioning that I'm sure all of you already do very well, but let's take a little time just to explore 
what it is that teachers and stand-up comics do when it comes to the aspect, this aspect of their work. So there are so many things you need to keep in mind when you're teaching, as we all know. And I think sometimes teachers can get caught up in what we're teaching or in following the lesson plan, and so much so that we forget to pay sufficient attention to our students. But like comedians, we can benefit from keenly observing the audience. When we pay close attention to our students, I think we can better understand their strengths, weaknesses, and interests. And this allows us to tailor our lessons, of course, to their needs a lot more and make our lessons a lot more engaging. What about stand-up comics? Well, stand-up comedians also use humour to address sensitive or controversial topics. They often use their observations of society to create comedy that is both entertaining and thought-provoking. As teachers, we can do the same in the classroom. We can use humour to engage our students and create a safe space to discuss difficult topics, for example. Next, Let's look at how stand-up comedians use storytelling to engage their audience and how teachers can do the same in their classrooms. Storytelling is a powerful tool that can help us connect with our students and make our lessons more memorable. And stand-up comedians use personal anecdotes usually to create a more personal connection to their audience. They share stories that are relatable and funny and in this way, they make their performance engaging. So teachers can, I think, use storytelling to create a similar connection with their students by sharing personal experiences and using anecdotes. We can create a more relaxed and engaging classroom environment, and this can help our students connect with materials and remember it more easily. And as I mentioned in the introduction, back in October last year, when I chatted to my friend Jamie Keddy, who was an English language teacher, very interested in storytelling and stand-up. We spoke a little bit about storytelling and stand-up and what the similarities and differences are. And here's a clip from that show with Jamie speaking about his experience of stand-up and how it's similar to teaching, and in particular, storytelling. And it's really interesting because I think a lot of people go into stand-up comedy almost assuming they're, 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 very, they're, they're very similar sometimes even the same things that that comedians stand-up comedians just tell funny stories and that can be your undoing as it was mine <laughs> oh really yeah yeah it was a, a crazy experience you know you i hadn't as much as i'd listened to it i hadn't really taken the time to analyze it and so when i did it for the very first time i had a five minute open mic spot here in, in barcelona which there's a lot of comedy here in English. And I told a, 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 a funny story. And uh, the, the story was quite funny. It had moments of humor through it, um, which, is, which is great if you're gonna use a story for comedy. But it, it, the problem was, is that there was, there was not enough laughter. There were not enough jokes. And the payoff kind of came at the end. So basically, you, you, you have a, an audience that wants to laugh. They're sitting through, you know, a story for five minutes and the payoff is a punchline at the end. I think this is, a, a, is not a way to approach a story. I don't like thinking of stories as having punchlines. Stories yeah. have ways out. Stories have closure. Stories have endings. 
but jokes have punchlines mm. very specifically uh, you know and, and I think that when you start to analyse what, what jokes are you've got to try and look for maybe three laughs per minute when you're preparing I mean a lot of comedians will go for one joke every 17 seconds which I think is something I've heard before wow. yeah I mean I, my approach stand up it's not that it changed because I never had one because I'd never tried stand up <laughs> until you know okay. August last year was the first time I did it and you know I, I took the, away the the positive um, I tried to get over the negative and it can be quite difficult because the negative when you bomb as they call it it hurts mm. <laughs> it hurts a lot um, but I've tried to build on it and um, learn a new craft is really what it is. It's, it really is learning a new craft and taking what you've got from understanding how story works and taking, there are transferable um, elements of it. There's definitely, without any doubt, transferable skills, approaches, techniques. Being on the stage is one of the biggest one. It's something we're used to as a teacher um, as a storyteller, as a conference speaker, as, as you are, um, as we are, as a lot of people are, it is very, very, it's very helpful. But I think that what I take away from it is that maybe when we look at stand-up comedy and we, we compare it with uh, storytelling, it has elements of storytelling, but it also has elements of poetry. Because right. one of the most important parts of the craft of stand-up comedy is actually about the writing. Yeah. You, you, you spend a huge amount of time writing and scripting and getting every single word, you know, it, it, that's, what it, that's the attention to detail. And, and I think that that's maybe what's less visible when you watch a stand-up comedian at work. And it, my, my first time, it was almost identical to yours. And I think every time, Every time I've seen a comedian do it for the first time, well, usually they've gone over the time because you're absolutely right. You, you, yeah. Five minutes is the standard currency of a, a stand-up spot. And yeah, it goes on till seven or eight. or I think, I'd, I, think I had about eight or nine as well, which I was, I was absolutely shocked at because I pride myself in my timekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what you, what, there's something interesting. I think that uh, you can make parallels with teaching because there's... You, if you if you kind of look at teaching and divide it into either being reactive mm -hmm. or preemptive, you know, reactive as being present and going with what comes yeah. up, responding to students' ideas, things that students say, you know, asking questions. That's that's reactive teaching, you know. And then also, of course, reactive teaching is giving on the spot feedback, um, you know, drawing attention to things that students say things that are good, things you want other students to learn from, or error correction, upgrades, yeah. all this kind of thing. That's reactive teaching, and that's improvised teaching, and that's what you're doing when you're doing crowd work in mm. comedy. But then, of course, you've got your, when you're doing your material, which is what you prepare, which is what you script, which is attention to every single word, which is why I would compare it with poetry, because the, 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 the text can be as dense as a poem, you know, I think that's what we're looking at. That, that's your preemptive part. And I think that uh, it, it's, you, you become very aware of the efficiency. So when you add lib and you start thinking, what you tend to do as a comedian is you want to just waffle and you've got the jokes prepared, but you can't help filling it in with stuff which does absolutely nothing 
to yeah. your set and you got you go over this stage of realizing that i mean, i've got this this i had to you know i've got this bit about a baby i do it was i i, I looked after a I, I held a, a naked baby once, Graham, and, <laughs> and it was my friend's baby. And she said, you know what? Have you ever held a naked baby? And I said, no, I've never held a naked baby. She said, hold my naked baby. And there's something she said, you've never held a baby till you've held a baby naked. And it was hilarious. And there's something quite incredible about holding a little naked baby. And this, is, this became the basis of, of, of my set. And uh, so when I tell this story, the storyteller in me had to contextualize at work on the, on the setup and say why I was actually in this, this situation in the first place, tell them a bit about my friend, about why I, you know, I thought this was really important. And it took me about a minute to give the background of this whole, you know, this story. And then yeah. after, you know, the stand-up comedian, you, you, you learn that you reduce it to the following. A friend of mine's a new baby. Don't know where she got it. Bath time, she says, do you want to hold my baby? I said, uh, no way, it's naked. She says, hold my baby. So I held her baby and she was right enough, he was naked, but then something unexpected happened. It turns out a naked baby is a joy to behold. So you can see that that, that is, you know, reducing the, the setup of a story, which is something I teach in my course, the importance of paying attention to the, the setup, which if yeah. you don't, people are not gonna get your story, but this is different. You're being, this is total and utter efficiency of language. You, you let the audience make up their own answer the questions, fill in the gaps, get to the punchlines. They don't have to know who this person is, why you were there, why you're holding a baby, you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that can really inform you as a teacher as well. Again, it's efficiency of teacher talk, looking for the right language, looking for the right word choices. That was Jamie Keddy there. So storytelling is such a powerful tool that can, of course, help us connect with our students and make our lessons more memorable. And as teachers, I think we can use storytelling to create a similar connection uh, to what stand-up comedians do with their audiences. Uh, it can help create a more relaxed and engaging classroom environment. And this can help our students connect with the material and remember it more easily, of course. Let's now talk about timing and delivery. Now, these are key elements of stand-up comedy that can also be applied to teaching. And let's think a little bit about how stand-up comedians use timing and delivery to maximize the impact of their jokes and how teachers can perhaps do that in the classroom. Stand-up comedians, of course, use pacing, tone, and other techniques to keep their audience engaged. They use pauses and changes in tone to create the tension and build uh, anticipation, which can make their punchlines even funnier. As teachers, I think we can also use similar techniques to keep our students engaged and interested. I think we need to really use our voices and body language to emphasize important points, for example, create a more engaging classroom, classroom environment. We can also use pauses to create tension, build anticipation. And this is, of course, what Lots of teachers already do, I think. Um, but it's quite interesting to think about how comedians do it and perhaps to watch them and to think about whether we can adopt any similar kinds of um, 
things to our own classes to make of course this idea of making classes uh, lessons more memorable impactful which i think is the most important thing so one of the biggest differences i think between comedians and teachers is when when it comes to timing is this need of course to get a constant reaction from the audience in the form of laughter and this need for constant feedback i think is different although i don't know thinking about it um you could argue that as a teacher there's also a need for constant feedback that we're also looking for some kind of reaction constantly from our audience of students but instead of laughter of course the feedback we need is a sign that the students are paying attention that they're learning what we're teaching that they're engaged in some way this is definitely vital okay so let's look in a little bit more detail at how stand-up comedians use timing and delivery to maximize their impact of their jokes and if there's anything a teacher can learn from uh, so stand-up comedians, I think, create a sense of anticipation, surprise, and rhythm when they're on stage. And there's a few ways here that I have thought about previously that how comedians use timing and delivery to enhance their material. First of all, of course, this pause for effect. And a well-timed pause can add tension to a joke and make the punchline all the more satisfying when it finally arrives. And by pausing just before the punchline, comedians can create this sense of anticipation and build up the audience's expectation. Varying the pace, as I mentioned before, using pacing to keep audiences engaged is really important. And by varying the speed at which stand-up comedians deliver their material, they create a rhythm that keeps the audience's attention. And this can speed up to build excitement or slow down for emphasis or even pause completely for comedic effect, which is something I think teachers can do as well. Um, maybe not for comedic effect, but definitely to to make sure that students are paying attention uh i think it's important to vary uh vary the pace completely uh definitely using physicality of course stand-up comedians often use their physicality to enhance their delivery and body language i think is also very important when it comes to teaching they uh, stand-up comedians use exaggerated gestures or facial expressions to emphasize a punchline they move, may move around the stage to create a sense of energy engagement. This is definitely something teachers should do. If you're not moving around the classroom, then uh, you should start, of course. Building tension. Comedians, I think, can also use timing to build tension in their material. By delaying the punchline or drawing out a story, they create a sense of anticipation that makes the punchline satisfying uh, when they deliver it. And then punching up, this idea of um, punching up, which um, can mean a way of placing emphasis on unexpected words or phrases and can create humor from situations that might not seem inherently funny. So overall, I think timing and delivery are critical components of stand-up comedy. By using a variety of these techniques, 
to create tension, rhythm, and surprise. I think comedians can maximize the impact of their jokes and keep their audience engaged and entertained. So there's something definitely there for teachers to to do as well. Now, stand-up comedians need to be adaptable and resilient in order to succeed. Teachers can also, I think, benefit from this uh, in the classroom. Now, stand-up comedians face all sorts of unexpected challenges when they perform, from hecklers in the audience, equipment malfunctions, and as teachers, we also have disruptive students, which are our hecklers, and um, certainly if you use technology, then you will uh, have experienced malfunction in equipment as well. I think the best comedians, though, are able to adapt to these challenges and keep their audiences engaged. And this is definitely something that we need to do as teachers as well. And they can bounce back from failures as we do and keep going. And being adaptable and resilient, I think, to handle these challenges more effectively and create a better learning environment for our students is very important. How can we learn from stand-up comedians' ability to handle hecklers and other difficult situations? I think the interesting thing about when you, if you look at, at YouTube has lots of examples, for example, uh, if you want to look and find stand-up comedians dealing with hecklers, I think having some standard phrases to break the tension, for example, and um, to be able to handle disruption with humor, I think is really uh, quite an interesting way of, a, uh, quite an interesting approach that we could definitely think about uh, adding to our, to our lessons. And then of course, having a plan B is so important for any unexpected challenges in things like when technology fails, et cetera, uh, to make sure that we make the most of all of the time that we have with our students. One big difference, of course, between teachers and stand-up comedians is this need to make the audience laugh, which uh, fortunately we teachers don't need to do. But I think um, if you see how stand-up comedians take notice of quirks, habits and mannerisms of the people in everyday life and use them in their performances, this is something we can definitely integrate into our classes. For instance, a stand-up comedian might observe the way people behave in public play, public spaces like airports or restaurants, and they use their observations to create jokes which relate uh, to the audience. And they can also take note of the way which people interact with each other and use the interactions as the basis of humorous observations. In addition to this observational humor, of course, comedians develop their own unique comedic persona. Is this something that teachers do? Do we develop our persona in the classroom? I think we can do at times. Certainly, um, I think teachers can exaggerate to become something different to the person that they are outside of the classroom. And Comedians, I think, draw upon their own personal experience and observations to create distinct voice and style that sets them apart from other comedians. Perhaps that's something that some of us teachers do. 
Let's now look at how humor can be incorporated into the classroom in general. I think incorporating humor into the classroom can be a great way to engage students. It can build a positive classroom culture and make learning definitely more enjoyable. So here's a few tips for you on how to use humor in the classroom. You can use funny anecdotes, of course, like stand-up comedians or stories. And sharing a funny story or anecdote related to the lesson can be a great way to grab students' attention, make them more interested in the material. You can use memes or humorous images, incorporating memes or humorous images uh, related to what you're doing in class can be a great way to add some humor to the classroom unexpectedly as well. Just make sure, of course, that the images are appropriate and relevant to the to the material, not just something that uh, that is uh, just to um, raise a laugh. You can use humor in instructions as well. You can add a bit of humor to uh, what you ask the students to do. Or you can also create an assignment that can be uh, that can have a bit of humor in it, and that can then make it more engaging and less intimidating. You can use humor to diffuse tension. If a classroom discussion or activity becomes tense or uncomfortable, using humor can help diffuse the situation, make students feel more at ease. And then you can use humor, of course, to connect with students, um, incorporating something that is relevant to students' interests or experience can definitely help build that positive classroom culture and create connection. Let's look at each of these in turn in more detail. So sharing funny anecdotes or stories related to the lesson, um, that can be a great way to grab students' attention, as I said, and make them more interested in what you're, whatever you're doing in the classroom. What should you do if you want to do that? Well, keep it relevant. Make sure the story is related to the lesson or the concept being taught. And uh, that will help the students see the connection between the story and the material. Keep it short and sweet as well. Story should be very brief and to the point. Otherwise, students may well lose interest. Because the, the goal here is to use the story as a, as a tool to engage students in the material and not to distract them. Use your own experience. You can share a personal anecdote or story, something from your uh, background related to the lesson, and that can make uh, make whatever you're teaching more engaging and memorable. You can use humor to make a point. The story you tell should be humorous, but it can also illustrate uh, an important point or concept, and that can help students better understand the material that you're teaching. And if you use a variety of stories, such as personal anecdotes, current events, or historical anecdotes, for example, that can help to keep the students engaged and interested in the material. I think if it stops becoming a kind of formula that you use in the classroom, that is very important. What about using memes or humorous images in the lesson? This can be fun and engaging. Uh, well, what, what kind of things should you do or not do? I think you should keep it appropriate. Again, uh, make sure that the memes or images are appropriate for the classroom setting and for all students. Avoid memes or images with inappropriate language, of course, um, or images inappropriate images or themes. Again, if you keep it relevant, 
uh, to the lesson or the concept that you're teaching that will help the students see the connection between the humor and the material. Use high quality images. I think there's nothing worse than using very low quality images for students. They'll it, it can put put the students off, I think. So if the images are high quality and easy to to see rather than blurry or difficult, I think uh, that's important. And the memes or images should also, of course, illustrate something that you're doing in the classroom, something related to the material. And again, you can add uh, images to any assignments that you're doing. There's no reason why you shouldn't base an assignment, a writing assignment, for example, on an image. Provide an image and ask uh, students if this is appropriate to what you're teaching to, to write about it. What about humor in instructions? This can be effective uh, as well. But what should you keep in mind? Well, of course, like I mentioned previously, it should be relevant and there should be a connection between whatever you, um, whatever instruction you say, the humor that you have and the task, of course. Brief again. If it's too long, students can lose interest or become distracted. If you use clear and concise language and the humor doesn't interfere with the clarity of the instructions, that is important. And you should also know your audience, of course. So you should use the humor that's appropriate for the age and uh, maturity level and level of English if you're teaching English, like I, I do, uh, of the students. And you should, of course, you avoid using humor that could be offensive or inappropriate. Now, what about instructions? I think it should be always appropriate and respectful to all students. As I said, it can make learning more enjoyable. And then using humor to diffuse tension can be a powerful tool for students, for teachers, when tensions are high, you can use humor to make students more relaxed and more comfortable with the environment, create a more positive learning environment. Now, one way of doing this is to use self-deprecating humor, which can be a great way to break the tension in the room. By making fun of yourself, you can help students make uh, them feel more comfortable and at ease. Jokes should be, of course, lighthearted, I think. That can be effective to create a positive atmosphere. If they're funny and what you say isn't too serious, especially if something is perceived as being difficult, something that you're teaching is perceived as being difficult, that can help. You can also use humor to acknowledge mistakes. So if something's gone wrong in the classroom with technology or whatever, then you can acknowledge um, this by using humor, make light of it. And I think it's also a way in that way, you can also show that students it's okay to make mistakes and that learning is a process and mistakes will always be made by, by teachers and by anyone, basically. You can also use humor to create a sense of community by sharing jokes or stories with each other. I think, especially if they're, jokes or stories that everyone can relate to. You can help students feel more connected to each other. And you can also use humor to redirect negative behavior. So if someone, if a student is being disruptive, then humor can actually uh, redirect their behavior towards something uh, a little less tense in the classroom, really. If you 
can do that and use a life lighthearted comedy can help. We should, of course, remember that humor needs to be used judiciously, I think, and in a way that is always appropriate for whatever classroom you're teaching in. It's about it's a very powerful tool, and using funny anecdotes or stories related to the lesson can be very effective to engage students and it can make learning more enjoyable. But of course, it should always be done with respect for all students and their backgrounds. Now I'm going to look at um, a few books, the first one of which is called Why Stand-Up Matters, How Comedians Manipulate and Influence by Sophie Quirk. So I think there's some quite interesting things here that are relevant to teaching as well. So let me look at what Sophie says in the introduction of, uh, of that book. It's called Manipulation, Influence and Stand-Up Comedy. And she says, manipulation is usually a perjurative term. When we refer to someone as manipulative, we typically mean to imply that they're unscrupulous, a person who plots to control a situation or other people for their own personal benefit. She goes on to say that this is not what manipulation means, at least not always. The Oxford English Dictionary defines manipulation first as to handle or control something skillfully, and second as to control or influence someone in a clever or underhand way. And she talks about manipulation being a term that often smacks of deceit and corruption and whose meaning can encompass the shady motivations of its perpetrator. But it can also mean the simpler application of skill to control a situational outcome, something that every craft requires, including teaching, I think. And she says she suggests that a comedian is consciously manipulating an unwitting audience and these situations are the most recognizable as manipulation in perjury of sense, but it also um, means the clever use of a skill to exercise control. She uses the word manipulation here for stand-up instead of more neutral words like craft and skill to highlight some important truths, she says, about the nature of stand-up as an interaction. And stand-up, she then goes on to, and this is where I think it becomes more relevant for uh, for us as teachers, is a dialogue. Stand-up is a dialogue. It requires the active participation of its audience, and therefore the comedian has a responsibility to orchestrate and manage those responses, which I think is very similar to what a teacher does as well. Influence, she says, is the term that she uses to signify any ongoing alteration in the beliefs, attitudes, or behaviors of audience members that continue after they leave the gig. That's exactly what a teacher needs to do as well, is influence their students, in other words, to alter their beliefs, attitudes, or behavior. And knowledge, I think, we would um, definitely include as teachers in the students after they leave the classroom. And she says that where manipulation causes momentary behaviors, such as laughter or applause, influence seeks to have an effect upon the real internal attitudes and beliefs of the individual. Hence, it affects the way that they in the way they interact with the world around them. And again, I think this is something that we aim to do as teachers. Standard comedy, she goes on to say looks uncomplicated the performance often consists of an individual simply speaking this does not mean that the interaction taking place and the craft involved 
are not complicated or complex. Uh, again, the same is very much true of teaching and what a teacher does. It looks from the outside as being quite simple that a teacher is simply talking to a group of students and using material to help them learn. But there's a lot of things, as we all know, going on that are actually a lot more complex. Stand-up is a complicated interaction. It requires high interpretive competence from an audience who must keep up with a deeply convoluted medium of communication, distinguishing between truth and irony, and navigating the grey areas in between. The performer must demonstrate high levels of skill, including exceptional powers of communication and audience management. I think that last part is the only part in that particular paragraph which is relevant to teachers. So the teacher must demonstrate high levels of skill, including exceptional powers of communication and audience management, classroom management in our case, definitely. And then moving to the end of what this book, I think, has to offer us. Uh, so he says, the comedian can only manipulate if he has successfully taken control of the interaction. And successful stand-up performances involve a comedian facing a cooperative audience. Again, similar to teaching, I think. Naturally, more experienced comedians have better honed their craft and can therefore play most effectively within the control that they exert. The benefit of confronting audiences that are already convinced of their ability to be funny uh, cannot be undermined. And again, I think... This is the idea of a teacher, if you like, having the experience and knowledge and understanding and being able to be, um, have that, what is it, their presence, I think, in the classroom is so important. I think that's about all that uh, I'm going to say that comes from this particular book, Why Stand-Up Matters how comedians manipulate their audiences. But um, it just one last point from this, I think, is Sophie says that stand-up comedy is not a monologue but a conversation. For the performer, stand-up comedy is really about crowd control, causing a group of strangers to behave in a certain way, which I think is similar also to a teacher in a classroom. It's... To a certain extent, if you have a large class, then teaching is all about crowd control and causing a group of learners to behave in a certain way is part of it as well. So just before I wrap up, I'm going to finish with um, telling some of my favorite one-liners. And these are all jokes that I've collected from various sources. And I think having a selection of jokes that you can actually use for whatever reason in the classroom is also a good idea. Here are some of the ones that I find quite funny and that I would uh, consider using with students or in workshops with teachers, for example. So here they are. Do you know the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know, and I don't care. The past, present, and future walked into a bar. Things got a little tense. Good one for language teachers, I think. All those who believe in telekinesis, raise my hand. I don't suffer from insanity. I enjoy every minute of it. 
My grandfather started walking five miles a day when he was 60. Now he's 85, and we don't know where the hell he is. That's a joke by Ellen DeGeneres. Despite the high cost of living, it remains popular. Light travels faster than sound. It's a reason why some people appear bright before you hear them speak. Tragically, I was an only twin. That's a joke by Peter Cook. Police arrested two kids yesterday. One was drinking battery acid. The other was eating fireworks. They charged one and let the other one off. Another good one to use for the language class, I think. I got a new pair of gloves in the sales, but they are both lefts, which on the one hand is great, but on the other, it's just not right. If you're ever attacked by a mob of clowns, go for the juggler. Somewhere on this globe, a woman gives birth to a child every 10 seconds. She must be found and stopped. Always be sincere, even if you don't mean it. People who use selfie sticks need to have a good long look at themselves. I used to think I was indecisive, but now I'm not so sure. I have weird feet. I didn't think orthopedic shoes would help, but I stand corrected. Laugh at your problems. Everybody else does. The problem isn't that obesity runs in my family. It's that nobody runs in my family. Blunt pencils are really pointless. The bloke said to me, I'm going to attack you with the neck of my guitar. I said, is that a threat? I've just penned a song about a tortilla. Actually, it's more of a rap. My mates bought a scooter and written the who on the back of all of his jackets. He's having a mod life crisis. If smoking's so bad for you, how come it can cure dead salmon? I've been reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put it down. I recently got crushed by a pile of books, but I suppose I've only got my shelf to blame. I'm currently reading a book called My Life by Bill Clinton. It freaked me out. I didn't think he knew anything about me. I have a book in my toilet all about the Velvet Underground. There's nothing like a Lou Reed. Our local school has become an academy. It's sponsored by IKEA. Standards may be fine, but assembly takes ages. You spend the first two years teaching children to walk and talk. Then you spend the next 16 years telling them to sit down and shut up. I think children are like Marmite. You either love them or keep them at the back of the cupboard next to the piccalilli. As a kid, I was made to walk the plank. We couldn't afford a dog. 
I was messing about in this lesson and the teacher told me to go outside. I was petrified. It was a flying lesson. When your children are teenagers, you should have a dog, so at least someone in the house is happy to see you. I had a happy childhood. My dad would put me inside a tyre and roll me down the hill. They were good years. I used to file my nails, but then I thought, what's the point of keeping them? The other day I sat on a hairdryer. That put the wind up me. I've decided to sell my vacuum cleaner. It was just collecting dust. Hey, if anyone knows how to fix broken hinges, my door's always open. I've spilled stain remover on my trousers. How do I get that out? He said, I'm going to chop off the bottom of one of your trouser legs and put it in a library. I thought, that's a turn up for the books. Have you tried that new 007 glue? It bonds in seconds. I have a stepladder. I never knew my real ladder. Somebody just gave me a shower radio. Thanks a lot. I guess there's no better place to dance than on a slippery surface next to a glass door. I had a survey done on my house. Eight out of ten people said they quite liked it. As a family, we couldn't decide whether to have our granny cremated or buried, so in the end we let her live. I was raised an only child, which really annoyed my sister. I said to the waiter, how long will my spaghetti be? He said, I don't know, we never measure it. I remember once we had a candlelit dinner. Everything was undercooked. Most pizza jokes are pretty cheesy. Okay, drawing things to an end now. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy me speaking about what teachers can learn from stand-up comedians. Certainly subject I'm interested in exploring more. So I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about it. Thinking about this and talking to others has helped me gain some, I think, valuable insights into potentially how to make lessons more engaging and memorable. As I mentioned before, stand-up comedians are skilled at observation and awareness, storytelling, timing and delivery, and adaptability and resilience. And be, by developing these skills as teachers, I think we can create a more engaging and effective learning environment for our students. Stand-up comedians are real masters of engaging with their audience, and you just need to look at some of them in action to see that. And they very well, uh, the best stand-up comedians, I think, use humour, body language, and eye contact to connect with their audience and create very memorable experiences. As teachers, we can definitely learn from those techniques and use them to create a more engaging and interactive classroom. Those techniques include, as I mentioned before, timing and delivery, pauses, changes in tones and body language to build tension. Uh, and they do this to create a memorable punchline. And I think uh, 
we can learn from that as teachers. We can use pauses and changes in tone, as I mentioned previously, to emphasize important points and keep our students engaged. We can use our body language as well to show enthusiasm and interest in the material that we're teaching. By using humor, of course, in the classroom, we can create a more relaxed and enjoyable learning environment. And eye contact and body language, I think, is two very important things to be able to connect with our students and show that we're invested in their learning. Please get in touch if this is of interest. In particular, if you do use any of these stand-up comedian tricks or techniques in class, I'd love to hear about your own experience and strategies for incorporating them in your classroom. That brings us to the end of today's Saturday Twilight Show. Many thanks for you to you all for joining me. And remember, there are Teachers Talk radio shows all week. And you can join me again, I hope, next week at the same time. Bye for now. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.